This is An American Workplace, a podcast dedicated to rewatching and discussing NBC's beloved mockumentary series, The Office. My name is Chad Hopkins, and joining me as always is my good friend and co-host, Katie White. Katie, how are you doing in the 24 hours since we last talked? It feels like Christmas, Chad. I wonder why. <laughs> it's one of my favorite episodes of season nine, and I'm really excited to get, to get going. Um, yeah, I'm excited. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, second day of work. I'm still tired, Ew. but it's weekend already, so it's Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally. ready to talk about this, too. Um, just a quick plug. We did rank all of the Christmas episodes uh, in a bonus episode, so if you sign up for Patreon, you have access to that, even though we recorded it a while back. So quick plug for that, because I think both of us ranked this episode in particular pretty highly, and this will probably eventually devolve into a quote fest, and I am totally okay with that. So everybody get along for the ride. We've got people watching via Twitch already. We've got Lurks and Polizei. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, remember, we are doing this every week. You just have to sort of like be ready. At, we try to give advance notice, but we also don't have a regular recording schedule. And if you're watching this on Twitch now, you actually get access to the episode a week early because this isn't going live until a week from today. So. You're welcome. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Dwight Christmas. And yes, tell us about Dwight Christmas. Okay, it aired on December 6th of 2012, was directed by Charles McDougall and written by Robert Padnick. It is Christmas time at Dunder Mifflin Scranton, and the party has snuck up on everyone. The party planning committee does not have a party planned. So Dwight decides to throw the office a traditional Pennsylvania Dutch Christmas with traditions that confuse pretty much everyone. Daryl is angry with Jim, who's about to leave for Philly, and Nellie gets held captive by Toby, who is once again telling his experience with the Scranton Strangler. Okay, so just a couple of things to touch on before we get into like the main character points in this episode. Angela and Oscar, their storyline is sort of on the wayside here. Uh, Angela, as the head of the party planning committee, did forget about the Christmas party. Aaron's the one who announces to everybody, hey everybody, this is supposed to be today. Merry Christmas. I guess... Angela's been a little bit preoccupied by other things going on in her life. And Oscar has realized now how many of Angela's opinions he agrees with. He says, I didn't realize until she tried to have my kneecap shattered for sleeping with her husband. And now I realize that she makes a lot of very sound points. So several times in this episode, we see him backing up Angela's opinions or statements uh, with support because he he's kind of trying to make up with things, but there's no really... There's no sign or even mention of Robert outside of this initial talking head. So thankfully, we get a little bit of a reprieve from that drama, and we'll find out more about that in the future. Jim is leaving for Philadelphia for the first time. Remember in the last episode, he asked David Wallace for permission to sort of start working part-time so he could spend time in Philadelphia with this new job, and David granting it after Stanley and Phyllis agreed to sort of keep an eye on things and help out Jim when he is gone from the office. And so... Jim, in leaving for Philadelphia for the first time, is actually pretty nervous about it. And it makes sense. Aside from his time as co-manager with Michael back in season six, uh, this is his first time having a job where he has a vested interest in doing the best he can. So he's nervous, and this is sort of his last hurrah before leaving for that. Jim is really excited when Dwight suggests that they do uh, Pennsylvania Dutch Christmas. No one else is excited, except for he and Pam and Dwight. And I love... I'm just going to just talk about Dwight for a second because I can't stop. I love, love, love him in this episode. <laughs> he is so purely happy. I feel like he just wants to share his traditions with his friends, question mark. He 
gets so bummed that Jim has to leave early, and we'll get into that in a bit, but I think it's just really sweet. He, he wants to share, he's being kind, and nobody is appreciating this. Getting the party planning committee to choose the Pennsylvania Dutch Christmas was Jim's, or it was Pam's sort of parting gift to Jim, sort of as a going away present before he leaves for Philadelphia. And things go about as you would expect them, honestly. It's really crazy. It's really wild. Dwight pulls out all the stops. He's brought glue wine and hogmaw and decorations. And he's reading poetry in German. And he eventually dresses up as Belsnickel. He's finally nigh. Belsnickel is St. Nicholas' rural German companion, which is basically like an angry Santa. Uh, he judges people impish or admirable. And he bestows gifts or whacks them with a stick. And he's clearly having a blast. Jim is really enjoying it. Pam is enjoying Jim enjoying it. But Jim does have to set out early to get to Philly. And Dwight's not a fan of this. Everything turns sour. He judges Jim to be impish, hits him several times hard with his stick, sort of forcing him out of the building. And Jim, you know, was thankful for Pam getting this party for him. But you can tell that she's a bit upset when he does have to leave. Uh, She's trying to put on a brave face, but she noticeably has a reaction when Jim says, this was the perfect last Christmas party because last Christmas party means that Jim definitely has intentions of not staying here and definitely making Philly more of a full-time thing. It's a sign of things changing and you can tell that she's still not fully on board or happy about this. And it seems like Dwight is also very upset about Jim leaving. Pam walks down to the cab and there's definitely tension about him leaving early or about him leaving at all. And Dwight is watching this from upstairs from the office and he sees that Pam is upset and Dwight just starts tearing down decorations, throwing away the food. Once Jim leaves, he and Pam are both miserable when this second more traditional party starts up when Dwight's ends early and they're both just sitting at their desks sulking. And it's just, I I don't know if it was Jim that made Dwight, you know, so, so upset, but that's definitely what it seems like. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. Uh, We talked at the end of the season eight Florida arc, that maybe Jim saving Dwight from being fired would mean actual friendship between them rather than rivalry. And we've seen that largely proven since then, especially in this episode, seeing Dwight's reaction uh, to Jim leaving. He's bummed. He's even angry that Jim's leaving. It's not that he wants to go with Jim, not like Daryl, but it's just him feeling like he's losing a friend that he's finally found in Jim. Uh, A quote early on in the episode actually hints toward this. Jim is talking with Pam about uh, maybe I shouldn't have packed that shirt. Maybe I should have packed a different shirt. Am I making a statement with this shirt? Dry says, uh, excuse me, trying to get some work done. Some people don't care about Jim's new sports job in Philadelphia. whatever. And Jim says, so you know my job has something to do with sports, but you don't know the end of the word Philadelphia? Uh, so he cares about Jim and he pays attention to what's going on in his life and is just pretending to not care. And even further proof, when Jim does end up showing back up to the party, uh, he's elated and he gives him a hug. He even jumps in front of Pam to give Jim a hug first. And it just confirms what we we sort of hinted at. But I mean, we weren't like trying to give anything away. It's just confirming that he values that relationship that he has with Jim now. And he also planned the whole time to break the pig rib with Jim. Mm-hmm. Apparently that's some tradition and that's a friendship thing. And when Jim says he has to leave, Dwight looks real. I mean, he's sad. He's mm-hmm. he's. He's whining. He's like, but we were going to break the pig rib, you and me. Yeah. That was going to be our thing. And Jim's like, sorry, man, you know, I, I got to go. And then when he comes back, they do break the pig rib. And it's, it's all Dwight wanted. He's, 
really, really happy that, that Jim comes back. He, he digs all the stuff out of the trash. And this is the first real concrete evidence, I think, of a friendship between them, of a real friendship, of specifically, I mean, just Dwight feeling sad when Jim leaves and happy when he comes back. Like, it's, it's, it's a friend. And uh, yeah, I just, I love Dwight in this episode. Me too. And just a small, like, character thing. Dwight mentions a brother. I don't, I don't know if he's mentioned a brother before, to be honest. If he has, he definitely hasn't mentioned it by name. We know he has a uh, brother named Jeb. And the picture he shows us is of Dwight and Jeb breaking the ceremonial pig rib together. And so it's just a further connection when Dwight is so keen on breaking the ceremonial pig rib with Jim. It's like, yes, I see you as my, my work brother, if nothing else. So meaningful through all the, the silliness. Uh, and one more small casual thing to sort of follow up on a previous episode again, when Pam offers to get Dwight some eggnog when Jim has left, he says, no, thanks. I'll just take another Dumatrol. So he is treating his anxiety, which is good for him. Yeah. And that's the same medication that Nellie is taking. Mm-hmm. There's also a bit of his tradition that I was going to list in funny moments, but it's so horribly not funny that I should mention it here. We learn that there is a very un-PC part to this whole day that luckily doesn't end up happening. <laughs> Well, at first, everyone doesn't think that Belschnickel is a real tradition. This is something Dwight made up, you know, but Oscar looks it up. No, this is a real thing. It's a crotchety for a clad gift giver. It's, you know, a, a rural Santa, as you said. There's also a partner called Schwarte Piet, or Black Peter, a slave boy, often portrayed in colorful pantaloons and blackface, which, no, ever, no. And uh, <laughs> Stanley says exactly that. No, Dwight, don't do this. And Dwight says, oh, come on, we're not going to stick to every stereotype. Like, we, we're, we're modern. Come on. And we see him pull his, uh, his phone out and text somebody, ends up being Nate, not to show up as Sparta Pete, because we then see him in, uh, in blackface, which I, every time that shows up on the screen, I'm like, how? How? <laughs> how did NBC air that? I don't know. But uh, yeah. A dark turn to the Christmas party. Yeah, I mean, NBC gets away with it because it's presented as wrong. It's not like... Yeah. So, I mean, that's how they get away with that brief showing of it. It's not the first time someone has tried to show up to a party at the office in blackface. Remember uh, in costume contest in season seven, mm-hmm. when Michael was upset with Daryl and he shows up dressed as Daryl and there's that black smudge behind his ear. Uh, and we don't get confirmation in the episode, but you can pretty strongly uh, imply that Michael was going to show up in blackface and thankfully had the common sense not to do so. And something I noticed for the first time this watching, uh, when Oscar is first reading out the details about uh, Zorta Pete, Zorta Piet, whatever. Um, When Oscar first reads that out, Dwight actually gives like a proud little nod, like, yes, that's part of our tradition. And then Stanley says, uh uh, no, Dwight. And then so (laughs) Dwight makes a quick change to backtrack to cover up this not as PC item. Right. It's just like a small moment where he's like, yes, I'm proud. Oh, oh, no, no. Blackface, bad. Yes. I agree. Anything else for, for Dwight? No. Let's talk about Daryl next. What's going on with him? As we mentioned, Jim is leaving early today to go to Philly. Uh, and Daryl is a little, he's hinting at first. He asks Jim, hey, did you remember everything for your trip? Jim says, yeah, yeah. And Daryl says, really? Because uh, I feel like you may have forgotten something. And we learn in a talking head that uh, Daryl is upset because you know that time that Jim basically offered him a job? or at least a chance at a job, 
and then never mentioned it again. Well, Daryl had his hopes up because this sounded really awesome to him and really exciting. He and Jim have a lot of the same interests. And Daryl loves Philadelphia. And that was two months ago, and Daryl hasn't heard anything else, and he's upset because, hey, what happened to this great opportunity? And uh, Daryl gets really drunk and starts getting really angry. It turns from upset and hurt to anger. And it looks like he's about to try to fight Jim. Luckily, Jim catches him just in time and says, hey, you know what? Before I forget, I talked to the guys about hiring you. They're going to get you an interview. And Daryl comes right back down just moments before uh, crashing into the table of party food very drunkenly. But man, he was upset, Jim. And I, I don't blame him. You know, we, we know how unhappy Daryl is in his role as Andy's second in command, especially because Andy is gone now. Theoretically, Daryl should be in charge. But Andy didn't leave any orders. He didn't leave any contingency plans to be enacted in his absence. He's been gone for a long time at this point because he left in early November because that was the Halloween episode or when he found out that his parents were broke. Uh, so early November he left and now it's almost Christmas. So Andy's been gone for a while and Daryl's just sort of left in this limbo as the sort of second in command, I guess, maybe. So Daryl is just sort of stewing in this knowledge that Andy doesn't respect him properly and Jim has apparently forgotten him. So I don't blame him, but it is a, a great payoff with uh, seeing the the way Daryl has to freeze and like slowly process this information from Jim, like oh you're you're going to job Philly, you're gonna ask oh, oh okay good yes and so he, yeah. he like quickly changes his entire demeanor. He says I shall come by at your convenience, and Jim says oh thank you sir, and so he like spins around and he's gone. It, it's a really he's fast asleep. funny change. And then uh, Toby, as I mentioned in the introduction. Well, Nellie makes the mistake of asking Toby about the Scranton Strangler because she had not heard about this. And uh, Toby is just thrilled. He's just so excited to tell the story again to someone who hasn't heard it. And he keeps her there all day long through the entire Dwight party. And then the second party is starting up and Nellie obviously wants to go, but Toby's still talking and Nellie is just so tired of it. And she <laughs> finally just shushes him. She gets really close to him and she just says, no, shh. And Toby, as we've seen, has shown interest in Nellie in the past, specifically in, Hall in the Halloween episode when she dressed as Toby, and he asks if she's going to kiss him. And she has this look on her face where it's almost like, oh, what the heck? Sure. Yep, I'll kiss you. And she gives him a peck on the lips, and he rips off his glasses in this, like, <laughs> romantic, like, studly thing, and uh, they make out. They, Yeah. So, and she doesn't seem to hate it either. It's not like she, she tries to doesn't. escape. And I mean, I guess anything's better than listening to Toby ramble about this grand strangler all day. But who knows? Maybe this is a thing that's happening? Question mark? <laughs> question mark, indeed. I, I love how when the party, the second party tries or starts and she tries to escape, she's like, sounds like the party's starting up out there. And she sort of stands up a little bit and he says, yeah. So anyways, <laughs> and he just goes right back <laughs> into his story. Like, I acknowledge that things are happening, but. I'm not done here. We have all been Nelly here. We're like, oh, great story. I have to. Oh, yeah. So as I was saying, <laughs> <laughs> oh, trying to leave. The last big story thing to cover in this episode is Aaron. As I said, Andy has been gone for a long time now. Uh, the initial trip to the Bahamas, I think, was only forecasted to be 11 days. And we've that since right. found yeah. it was 11 or 13. I don't remember which one it was for sure. 
In Andy's absence, Pete is keeping her company completely platonically. He introduces her to Die Hard because she's never seen it. I haven't seen it either, and I feel really bad about it. But Me either. We don't need to talk about that. But you're the movie dude. <laughs> we are. I, I own it. I own. I acquired it recently. I just haven't watched it yet. Oh, so. you're, you're for sure the movie dude. I am not. I have seen <laughs> like two movies ever. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so Pete starts talking Aaron through the movie because he once memorized it on a dare from his brother. And they're enjoying spending time with each other. Andy sends Aaron an email. So we know that he's officially reached his destination in the Bahamas. He says, what up, shorty? We got in last night, sold the boat, went out, got drunk, saw a life of pie, got super depressed and introspective. Going to hang out here for a while, maybe a couple of weeks. It's already been several. Uh, he says, figure this whole life thing out. Maybe see Hobbit. Lates. And so first off, let's let's walk through this. It's an email. <laughs> yeah. It's like even a text message would have been more intimate. A phone call, even better. The They are boyfriend and girlfriend. And as it stands, this message is completely devoid of affection, completely devoid of specific details of when they'll see each other again, or anything else that might be meaningful to their relationship. He calls her shorty. He says lates. I would be pissed. <laughs> like, yeah, this is... Completely platonic. Yeah, it's it, it's the no. worst. And she's obviously upset by it. And she seeks comfort in time spent with Pete. Like, good on her. She does make sure that Pete knows, hey, I am still Andy's girlfriend, but I'm upset. Yes, you can put your arm around me as we watch Die Hard now. I mean, what we see here is something we knew, but Aaron is a person who needs loyalty and she needs stability. And she didn't get this from her foster upbringing. So whoever she decides to commit herself in a relationship to, she needs that. And Andy's not giving that to her. Pete is. Her boyfriend's nowhere to be found. So it's Pete who has his arm around Aaron at the end of the night, not Andy. And yes, so platonically at the moment, but how long can that last? Right. Well, moving on to some funny things. There was no cold open uh, and no opening credits interestingly. Mm -hmm. So let's jump right in. The scene you mentioned between Jim and Pam and the, uh, the blue striped shirt, I always thought was really funny because all Jim wears are blue shirts or white <laughs> shirts. <laughs> so it's like, oh, this blue shirt, like, oh, is it a statement? No, because that's your uniform. <laughs> like you wear slacks and a blue shirt. It's not a big deal. It's like Dwight questioning a color of mustard. Yeah, it's all going to be fine. It's okay. You could wear like a bright, you know, electric blue shirt and I'd be like, yeah, it's blue. It's fine. <laughs> so Jim says, so, you know, my job has something to do with sports, but you don't know the end of the word Philadelphia. Uh, this is the quote I mentioned earlier. Dwight says Philadelphia from the Greek phila, meaning love. That's correct. And then he says, and Adolf, meaning Adolf, the city that loves Adolf. That is not what it means. Delphia, I no. believe, is brotherhood. So it's like the it's brotherly city brotherly love. love. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he says, good luck with your new enterprise and don't wear the blue striped shirt. It makes your neck look like an old mop handle. <laughs> and then Pam looks at Jim and just sort of nods like, like eh, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Aaron, when it is discovered that the Christmas party was supposed to be today, she says, oh, Merry Christmas, everyone. There is no party. And, uh, everyone's kind of questioning, like, really? That was today? She says, I mean, it says Xmas party, but I think we all know what that's code for. 
there's there's so much Dwight in this episode to cover, and I'm going to do my best. <laughs> uh, he holds up a picture, his family. He says, this is me and my family celebrating Pennsylvania Dutch Christmas in 1982 on the farm. And it's sort of an antiquated looking picture. It's kind of sepia toned. He says, that's me and my brother Jeb breaking the ceremonial pig rib. He doesn't come back for Christmas anymore. The sepia tent is not because we had an old camera. It's, it's from an app on my phone. He says, this is the same photo, Matrix style. <laughs> it's this great setup and deconstruction of expectations. Like it, it made sense for Dwight to have a sepia-toned family picture because it's Dwight and they lived on a farm and they live in a house that was built in the 1800s. And they have an outhouse. Yeah, and, yeah. It's yeah. like very antiquated lifestyle. But this is from an app on his phone. <laughs> There is a super pure moment between Pam and Dwight that I just love when Pam is actually the one to okay Dwight's Pennsylvania Dutch Christmas. Pam says, Dwight, there is one rule that you need to take very seriously. And Dwight, okay, whatever, yes. And Pam says, and that is that there are no rules. (laughs) Dwight is just, you have never been cooler. (laughs) It's so great. I love it. After he has set everything up, Meredith is pouring some of the punch it looks like. She says, what is this, lava? And he says, that is glue wine, otherwise known as glow wine, also used to sterilize medical instruments. And he says, and interesting factoid, this is the very spoon that guided my soft skull through the birth canal when I was born. Enjoy. (laughs) And then when he's prepared to dress as Belsnickel, he makes an excuse to leave. He says, excuse me, I have to run to my car to take a dump. And he just sort of winks at the camera as he runs out. And Kevin just says, wish my car had a bathroom <laughs> completely oblivious dwight as belschnickel uh, swears that there really is no correlation between belschnickel and santa they are totally different things impish and admirable is nothing like naughty or nice and jim wants to challenge that of course he says well quick question do you decide who's impish or admirable in the moment or did you make a list dwight says i decided earlier jim oh nice did you check that list of course i checked it but more than once, because you could have made a mistake. I checked it more than once. <laughs> okay, so you made a list, you checked it twice, and n- now you're going to find out who's impish or admirable. <laughs> damn. <laughs> Just, ah, damn it. <laughs> Try to trick him. Uh, after Jim has left and Pam and Dwight are both being miserable at their desks, Pam is trying to comfort Dwight and says, you know, Jim didn't leave because of anything to do with you. And Dwight says, I don't care. Guess how much I care on a scale of one to ten. She says zero. He says, damn it. (laughs) You guessed it. No. (laughs) A couple of the gifts that Belschnickel gives out. He gives Pam a mousetrap for de kinder. Phyllis gets rubber gaskets for canning jars. Angela gets what I think are canning jars. Stanley gets a slingshot made out of a branch. Uh, Oscar was impish, so he didn't get anything. Kevin was impish, and Jim was impish. Mm -hmm. And that's all we saw. And Oscar was impish specifically because of the affair uh, with Robert. He he gives a little look to Angela, and she gets a lot of enjoyment out of seeing Oscar hit with a stick. Backtracking just a little bit to the beginning of the episode, Dwight suggests, what about an authentic Pennsylvania Dutch Christmas? Drink some glue wine, enjoy some Hassenpfeffer, enjoy Christmas with St. Nicholas rural German companion Belsnickel. And this is like, I say this a lot, but there's a lot of office things that I casually reference a lot. And this is one of them. Jim saying, yes, that, that, that. (laughs) We're definitely doing that. Are we all in agreement? Jim is just like so excited. He's like, yes, that immediately. Yes, this. My, re- my roommate and I both do that all the time. Yes, that, that, that. <laughs> There's also a uh, 
another very quoted line from this episode. In fact, we've quoted it a couple of times, both on social media and already today. When Dwight is is coming in as Belschnickel, he says, Judgment is nigh, for de Belschnickel is I. <laughs> and Jim is so excited. He's, yes, he's finally nigh. Dwight says, I am nigh. <laughs> He's nigh. Yeah, Jim doesn't care what this guy's name is or anything like that. He, he calls him, early, uh, earlier, he calls him Glenn Pickle. He says, I'm not understanding the confusion, but am I the only one who wants to try Hufflepuffs and Schnauzerhosen and meet with this Glenn Pickle guy? And so he's so happy when Dwight shows up as Glenn Pickle. Because he is nigh. Yeah. Dwight telling us a little bit about Belsnickel. Uh, he says, ooh, Belsnickel has traveled from distant lands to discover how all the boys and the girls have been behaving this last year. <laughs> that was really bad. <laughs> Jim says, so he's kind of like Santa, except dirty and worse. So I says, no, much better. No one fears Santa the way they fear Belsnickel. <laughs> Jim says, wow, it's my favorite part of Christmas, the authority. Pam says, and the fear. So I says, yes, exactly. <laughs> like, that is intentional. Moving on to Kevin for me for a moment. Kevin hates mini cupcakes. Nellie suggests getting some mini cupcakes for the party, but Kevin is offended, like deeply. He says mini cupcakes, as in the miniature version of regular cupcakes, which is already a mini version of cake. Honestly, where does it end with you people? (laughs) (laughs) And he's got a point. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Why not just get the real thing? Pam, when trying to convince the party planning committee to choose Dwight's party, she says, we're the party planning committee, and we did not get where we are by playing it safe. We got here by being risk takers. Yeah, sure. Okay. (laughs) And she says, and yeah, Dwight's party is going to be terrible. Maybe. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's going to be great. And if it's great, as she sort of struggles to come up with like, what what if it's great? I I, I think we all know what that would mean to us. (laughs) Okay. My other Kevin one uh, is that... He's an adventurous eater, although apparently not with many cupcakes, uh, and apparently not with hogmaw. He's really enjoying this hogmaw, but he doesn't know what it's called. He thinks it's called hogmama, <laughs> and he's loving it. And Phyllis says, Dwight said it's hogmaw. And Kevin just chokes and spits it out and yells, what is ma? <laughs> <laughs> Big difference like, between ma and mama. You were eating. <laughs> Daryl, getting increasingly drunk throughout the episode, has a talking head. He says, Meredith's a little cute. I'm just realizing she got like a Emma Stone thing. I don't agree. Don't <laughs> I don't agree. think anybody does. Hair red hair. <laughs> Although I, I, I do, I do want to point out Kate Flannery outside of the Meredith persona is very pretty. It, yeah, it, it's an intentional choice for the character. But uh, yeah, Daryl, he, he he's seeing things that aren't really there. I think it was in a a commentary from one of the early seasons, and Kate Flannery was on. And she was like, yeah, my parents are like, please, please stop doing embarrassing, ugly things on the office. Please. You're so lovely. (laughs) Please stop taking your clothes off, which is funny because we have a a certain deleted scene that we'll get to. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, yeah, she's, she's not a flattering version of herself on the show. When Dwight is trying to suggest that everyone do this traditional Dutch Christmas, Jim is heartily on board, but not everyone is. And Stanley says, no, I want a tropical Christmas. Meredith, of course, as we just said, she wants a topless Christmas. Creed wants a topless Swissmas. <laughs> and uh, it sounds like we misheard him. And then he has a talking head. He says Spanish tapas and Swissmas hot cocoa. Tapas Swissmas. What's so hard to understand? 
Another thing I quote all the time from the show, top best Swiss miss. Top best Swiss miss. Uh, I mentioned that Oscar is really supportive of Angela in this episode. I wanted to read out a couple of those because it's really funny. Uh, Angela says, don't blame me for something we all forgot about the Christmas party. He says, yeah, let's not blame her for something we all forgot. He just quotes her verbatim. There's another moment. Angela's not happy about the Pennsylvania Dutch Christmas. She says, no, I don't want my name attached to this party. Pam says, what does that even mean? Where would your name appear? Angela says, just please just take my name off of everything. Oscar says, just take your name off of everything. (laughs) (laughs) She's making a lot, making a lot of good points. I like my knees. (laughs) (laughs) Nellie, when she uh, is curious, when she actually wants to know about the Scranton Strangler, asks Toby, oh, what happened? I mean, if you can talk about it, obviously, because if you can't, I understand. Stanley just gets up and leaves. He's like, oh, getting out while I still can. <laughs> and Toby, I, I always laugh when he says this. He's like, I, 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 could, I could talk about it. <laughs> like, I bet I, you I could, could, Toby. I could. I don't think he's supposed to, but he's, <laughs> whatever. he's just happy he for could. an audience. He's like, yes, I, I could talk all day about this, quite literally. Stanley on his way out. Pats Nellie on the shoulder and says, see you next Christmas. And Toby's still going, I could, sure, have a seat. I would start at the beginning, but I think I need to go farther back. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and the story begins. That, yeah, that, that's, that's a bad sign. Like, if somebody needs to start before the beginning, I don't think I want to be there for any story that starts before the beginning. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. My last one, actually. Meredith, talking about the, the lack of a planned Christmas party at the start of the episode, says, we're out there sweating our balls off every day, busting our balls. We deserve a Christmas party. Oh, goodness, Meredith. You, you don't have those. Not, not on the end. Yeah. Okay. If anybody, if any woman did, it would be Meredith. Yeah. Uh, fair. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's tough. Some deleted scenes. So Dwight has just uh, given a presentation to the party planning committee stating his argument for why this Christmas should be a Pennsylvania Dutch Christmas. So he is committed to this idea. Angela is not thrilled, but says that they will take this idea into consideration. Next, we see Kevin proposing that they allow him to be Santa. He has a photograph of himself in underwear with an overlay (laughs) of Santa clothes. Kevin, Santa. Kevin, Santa. And uh, he says, it'll make Christmas a ho-ho-home run. And this idea goes over well. And it makes sense. And then next is Meredith. She, uh, her, her argument, her presentation is that she just lifts her shirt to reveal two Santa hats pasted to her breasts. <laughs> it's very small Santa hats. And she says, thank you. And walks out. Pam says, lots of good ideas here. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite Great. parts of that are at the end of Dwight's presentation. He says, Dwight for Christmas party, like as a political campaign. <laughs> and then as Kevin is walking in and Dwight is leaving, he, Dwight elbows him and says, good luck, chump. Kevin is oblivious and says, thanks. I hope I get it. (laughs) Okay. And yeah, that's it. Oh, well, uh, Oscar and Phyllis applaud Kevin's ho, 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 and run comment. And Angela says, once again, displays of support are not needed. Boos are okay. You can boo them, but no support. (laughs) Very Angela. In the episode, Daryl has the whole, I mean, he said that, right? Talking about Jim offering him the job in a talking head. And so in the deleted scene, he takes the camera crew down to the warehouse to the very spot where Jim told him about it. He says, yeah, I was standing here and he was standing there. And it was that day that I was mad at Andy about that Michelle Obama thing. And Jim was like, oh, oh, sports marketing. Oh, it's happening. It's happening. You know, it'd be interesting if you asked him about it. I wonder what he'd say. 
that'd be interesting. <laughs> so he, he's trying to set up the camera crew to interrogate Jim about this. And it doesn't happen. There's not a deleted scene about it. But Jim remembers on his own. So We have two very small deleted scenes. Next, so I'll just cover them both. One is uh, we see Jim waiting for the bus to Philly, and he looks kind of anxious and looking around and stuff. And then we see one more of Pam not enjoying the second Christmas party. I think Creed offers her something to eat, and she turns it down. And <laughs> just no one's enjoying themselves. <laughs> Creed offers her tapas and Swiss Miss hot chocolate, which is yeah. fantastic. <laughs> That's right. I, I had forgotten that. That's right. Yeah. And Kevin and Stanley take a shot together and Angela actually tries to, but she only takes a sip, which is definitely not the way to take a shot if you want to like actually finish it. Like that's going to discourage you. <laughs> Rip off the bandaid. Yeah. And Bob Vance of Vance Refrigeration gives Phyllis the fur coat that we see her wearing at the end of the episode. And yeah, the, the tapas Swiss Miss is a nice touch. He's making it happen, whether they like it or not. <laughs> and uh, Jim, after he gets the bigger half of the pig rib, Dwight has a talking head. He says, I actually am a little bit upset that Jim got the big half. Looking at it now, I wish he hadn't come back. And so I'm glad <laughs> this was cut because I don't want Dwight to regret Jim coming back. I want them to be friends. Yeah. It's a sweet moment. Yeah. Before the deleted scene. Yeah. And then last, it's more of Pete. Oh, although I guess we, we didn't talk about how hilarious Pete's recreation of Die Hard is and the fact that he knows every line to the movie. So he's standing there reciting this. Mm -hmm. Maybe you did mention it and I missed it, but he is acting out Die Hard as a one-man show and it's incredible. So there's more of Pete reciting and acting Die Hard and he's very into it, accents and everything. And Erin is really entertained. She says, hold on, I have to pee. And Pete says, oh, okay. Is it okay if I keep going? I'm, I've kind of got a flow going on. <laughs> she says, you mean by yourself? And he goes, yeah, Okay, sure. So she lets him uh, and, and she goes to the bathroom and he dies a very dramatic death while Aaron is away. And it's, it's intense. Like it's a fight scene and he's like playing multiple characters and he's doing choking sounds and gunfire and he, he collapses to the floor and he's the only one in the room. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it's pretty great. And that's it. We don't have any voicemails because we just recorded our last episode yesterday. And so thanks everybody for listening. We don't have a discussion topic at this time, but we just quoted a whole bunch of Dwight Christmas. So uh, that's the end of the official 99th episode of An American Workplace. That is crazy. We're going to be in triple digits next time we yeah. record an episode. Ooh. Contact for the show, facebook.com slash workplacepod and at workplacepod on Twitter. Please go over to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe to us. That's a big help in promoting the show and getting us more listeners. You can email feedback and ideas to workplacepod at gmail.com. And if you would like to leave us a voicemail for the next time we record, which will be about a week and a half from now. So uh, when you, well, from now recording, from when you listen to this episode, it'll be like four days. Uh, so get those in. We want to hear from you guys. You can dial 93-PRETS-DAY. That is 937-738-9329. Talk about funny moments. Ask us questions. Keep it under a minute. Be specific. Leave your name so we can thank you by name. We would love to hear from you all. You can find me on Twitter predominantly at ktlady623. I'm also at facebook.com slash katie.white. And the best place for me is at Chadadada on Twitter. That is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. Also, Facebook.com slash Chad.Hopkins. There's my other podcast, Cinescope, which you can find where podcasts can be found and at thecinescopepodcast.com. Show notes and other contact information for this show can be found at workplacepodcast.com. If you want a shout out and more of an American Workplace each week, including access to our discussion outline and notes, a logo sticker and bonus episodes, check out our Patreon page and pick the support level you think is worth it to you at patreon.com slash workplace pod.
And that's all for this week. Thank you for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows, The Office, here on episode 99 of An American Workplace. Make sure to join us in episode 100 for our discussion on the next two episodes of season nine, Lice and Suit Warehouse. Bye. Are we finally nigh? We are nigh. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Bye.